Welcome, guys. Oh, hey, Connie's here. Moderator. Welcome. Good morning. How's it going? Good morning. Thanks. Yeah, it seemed like it got here sooner than I thought it would. Hey, Shannon. Good morning. How's it going? I just woke up, so I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I guess you're the only one here who doesn't know what's going on yet. <laughs> um, basically, we're just going to be talking about traffic tickets, dealing with the DMV, all kinds of related stuff, how to get out of tickets, how to how to not pay them. I'm sure we'll end up talking about not registering or not having a license and how to get away with that. So yeah, should be good. Should be good talk. And um, of course, I should mention this room is brought to you by Blood of Tyrants Wine, available at bloodoftyrants.wine. It's the best wine you can get to support liberty. Blood of Tyrants is um, is actually a wine that I created um, to. Uh, because I like being an entrepreneur, I like wine, and I like liberty. So kind of mix those together. And uh, we got a really awesome wine. And um, and we're using this in all kinds of good ways to help raise funds and awareness for liberty projects and, and candidates and, and people who are fighting tyranny. So it's a really awesome wine, and it's definitely worth your money if you want to head over there and get some. Awesome. So, uh, Shannon, you want to go ahead and get started? I know we've got some we've got some questions um, kind of around your situation, and and um, we can just get into that. Um, sure, I'm ready. I just want to remind everyone that replays are on, so don't say anything you wouldn't want the NSA to hear. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, this is going to be recorded, so anyone can replay it. Um, and it might actually be rebroadcast re a few places too. So that's pretty awesome. So we're we're really using this to help bring awareness to all these issues um, to as many people as we can. So yeah. So what's what's going on, Shannon? Do you want me just to tell the whole story? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, almost ten years ago, because my son just turned nine today, it's his birthday, um, and I was pregnant with him. I was in Delaware running a few horses for um, a guy that I was working for, and we went to a derby party, uh, me and the kid's dad and another guy named Bob, um, and we went in Bob Lewis's car. I wasn't driving at the time. I, I was just working for other people. You know, I had track licenses. I didn't even have my driver's license in my possession anymore. I was using my state gaming commission uh, licenses or well, they call them licenses, but IDs as my ID everywhere I was going because everything that I needed was on the backside of the racetrack. So I didn't really, that was the life I was living at the time. So we, the guys get like pissed drunk at this party and our boss is like, okay, so, you know, maybe somebody needs to drive these guys home. Can you do it? Yeah, sure. I'll drive them home. The party was literally 20 minutes away from the racetrack. Um, but the guys are drunk and they wanted to stop for food. So we stopped at Taco Bell. As I was pulling out of the Taco Bell drive-thru, um, a cop pulled me from in the parking lot. So I hadn't even left the parking lot. He pulled me over literally in the parking lot of like this. I don't remember what else was in the parking lot, but there was a Taco Bell there. Um, 
And it's because the car had no running lights. So then he asked me for, you know, all the information, insurance and all that stuff and my driver's license. Well, I said, sir, I don't have a driver's license. I said, it's still, I still have one. It's just expired. I haven't been home in a couple of years. Um, I, I, I never stay anywhere long enough to get one. And he was like, well, do you have an ID? And so I gave him my track licenses. And then I gave him my driver's license number out of Louisiana. So he found it and he said, yeah, yeah, I found it. You know, no worries. It's just a couple months expired. So we can work with that. But the insurance was the problem. And we couldn't get Bob coherent enough because he was so drunk in the back seat to even tell us where the, if the car had insurance or any of that. So I got a ticket for the car, not the vehicle, not having insurance. I also got one for my expired license and I got one for the no brake lights or no running lights in the back. Um, so I was leaving like in four days or five days after I got the ticket. So I contacted them and I'm like, is there any way I can just pay this? And they're like, no, it's a court mandatory appearance. And that's when I started saying, well, I'll never come back to Delaware unless it's to run a horse. I said, I'm leaving. I'm going to Boston in five days. Well, I went to Boston. Well, I know it seems like Boston and Delaware are close, but they're really not. <laughs> so especially when you don't have a driver's license and you don't have a lot of money. Um, but I petitioned the court on the day of my hearing and they told me that I didn't do it soon enough but that was what the clerk had told me before I left so I kind of did what I was told to do but it wasn't the right thing so then I just let it go because I didn't need a driver's license I didn't have a life I mean I had a kid I ended up you know fighting to keep him because uh, everything else went wrong in my life so in 2017 I had just had my daughter um, I had just gotten out of the mental hospital, <laughs> uh, all kinds of things were fucked up and I had a bunch of people that were trying to help me. Um, I went back to school for welding. I graduated when I was eight months pregnant with Astrid first in my class and I had four different job offers, um, after the baby was born. So then I had Astrid and she got to daycare age and I had everything lined up and Head Start had these, this program and they were going to give me a car. They were just going to give me a car. The only reason that I couldn't get the car is because I didn't have a driver's license. So that's when I went back in trying to get it. Now, I tried to get it in Florida like a year after because I thought that when you had a flag that you could get um, a driver's license in another state. But that had changed by then. Um, so then when I tried in Minnesota, I did the written test. I got all the way up to the window to pay. And that's when the flag became the problem. Um, now, the flag is not out of Delaware. When I didn't show up in court in Delaware, they put a bench warrant out for me, and that caused me to get a $60 flag in Louisiana. So in 2017, I had this job lined up. I had everything lined up. They were going to give me a car. I had done all the work, and all I needed was my driver's license. So I petitioned Delaware. I petitioned their court. They ran everything through. They talked to the, law, uh, the, the cops and everything. They dropped both of the other charges. They just left the expired license. It was a $125 fine. And to help me out, because I told him, I said, look, I'm not going to be able to pay the fine unless I can get the sign-on bonus at this job. But I can't get the job without the driver's license. So they removed the bench warrant. All Louisiana had to do was look and remove the flag. And someone from Delaware called them, too, and told them, all you have to do is look. The bench warrant is gone. Just remove the flag so she can get her driver's license. They wouldn't do it. So that's how I ended up in Alaska. <laughs> like, I didn't realize until I started talking about this how much this one problem has actually truly affected my life. 
Like I've never looked at it from a victim standpoint, but I'm kind of starting to now. Um, that's how I ended up here in Alaska. And that's how I was homeless in Minnesota, all because of a driver's license that I couldn't get. But now I have repetitioned Delaware. Um, but I cannot get Louisiana on the phone. Like if you try to call their DMV, it, it doesn't matter what time you call. It doesn't matter who you send in there. I gave my ex-husband power of attorney. Um, I've done all kinds of stuff. So last Friday, I finally got fed up with it because, you know, I have to go in and talk to the troopers on the 18th. I need to go to the grocery store. I need to pick somebody up at the airport two and a half hours away on the Parks Highway on the 20th. So all of this is, is really, really crunching me now because now I live somewhere where there is no public transit. <laughs> there is no way to get things without driving yourself to get them. Um, but so uh, I asked Connie to ask Dan Friday, you know, what can I do? I can't even get the DMV to answer the phone. Um, and they're like, send a certified letter. I said, that's going to take too long. I just don't have the time. I don't know what else to do at this point. So I called the governor's office and the lady was super nice to me. And she said, it happens all the time because nobody can get a hold of the DMV in Louisiana. So she had somebody call me back. They were supposed to call me back this morning, but they didn't. And now if they don't call me back, I have no recourse other than to call the governor's office again at this point, because you can't get anybody on the phone at the DMV. I have the girl's name, but she didn't give me a number. Um, and all I asked was, like, I told her, I was like, so can I get this in front of a judge? I said, this has been ruining my life for almost 10 years. And she's like, but you didn't do anything wrong in our state. And that was the kicker for me. You didn't do anything wrong in our state. No shit, lady. No shit. So move the flag. Like. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And. I think the kicker for that too was they said, well, once you can reestablish a driver's license and was it Delaware, then we can remove the flag from here, but you were never planning to get a driver's license somewhere else. And the very flag is why with Obama's change in law some years back, you can't get a license anywhere. So they're telling you, get a license somewhere and then we can remove the flag from here. It's like, let's put the cart before the horse, why don't we? But um, great story, Shannon. Um, Dan, do you have some answers for her? Yeah, um, so there's a lot going on here. Um, and yeah, one of the one of the problems that you have is there's, um, there's like an interstate um, database where um and, and this came up like there's a long history of this um like where um trekkers used to you know drive around from state to state because that's normal <laughs> that's what they do and so they'd get driver's licenses in different states and they'd hold on to like five or ten of them so if they ever got a ticket and they didn't want to pay it it's like okay fine you know um suspend the license who cares i've got 10 more of them um and so they they created a uh an interstate database where you know when when your license gets suspended in one they wouldn't allow you to get one in another state or um if you went to go get one in another state and you had a valid one in the other state they'd force you to forfeit and cancel your other your, your previous license um and and you know there's there's like a lot of things in place for that um 
but yeah so so like it sounds like at the root of it it's it's still the louisiana problem and the louisiana problem is reporting to this um this database and so what would be interesting is um you know so you know it sounds like louisiana dmv is impossible to get a, a hold of right so um what would it be like if um you're you're trying to get a license in alaska now you said right yes sir yeah so what if what if alaska um was told okay look this information's in this database um can you know can you contact the the dmv in louisiana and ask them to confirm it because that information is not true now of course they're probably not going to do that but it would be interesting to see if they could get a hold of of um of them uh because what um so this this is something interesting right because it's like th this almost works like the consumer credit reporting system and because of the co the way the consumer reporting system was um was set up like there was a there was a lot of um like really like, like these kinds of problems right like you get like your identity stolen and you'd have something on your credit report um that that wasn't a credit card in your name and you could never get rid of it because the credit companies were basically like no we don't care somebody told us you didn't pay so we're gonna we're gonna leave it there forever um and so uh so they actually passed some laws to restrict that but the ways that they were written was actually um was actually there they actually apply to government agencies as well and the way that it's worded is it has to do with um you know if if they're if they're basically um creating a record that says that you know that you know something derogatory about you you know whether you didn't pay a bill or this or that blah 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 in an attempt to collect money from you which you know which is kind of what they're trying to do right they're trying to get you to pay um something to uh, or i don't know maybe they're not even asking you to pay something they're they're trying to make you pay something in another state um but that's basically like what this is that that they're trying to do so i'm wondering if um you know and, and again like this i know it takes a lot of time but sending a certified letter is like that's like as good as as serving them court papers almost um, so basically, you know, you, you, you send them a certified letter, they got it, right? If you call them on the phone, you tell them anything on the phone and they say they're going to do something and they never get back to you, as far as they're concerned, that never happened. Because when you, you know, if it gets to the point where you need to sue them and you get them into court, well, who did you talk to? Oh, this person. Well, we don't have a person by that name that works here. <laughs> you know, all, all the runaround stuff they're going to do. Like, you're never going to hold them to anything that they say on the phone. The, the call's not going to be recorded or, or whatever. You're not going to get a copy um you know none of that's worth anything but if you send a certified letter then it's like you can you can take that to a court and be like look i send this to i sent this to this government organization um they're obligated to respond in a certain way and they didn't um and and now you know you have like you have your bases covered to actually make them do something but what's interesting um about this whole thing too is um like so you have the flag in louisiana and we looked at the the louisiana law when when um when we were on a call uh with jimmy last week or the week before um and we were all talking about this and and basically the law there's um this is what you'd want to send in the certified letter um uh, because like putting someone on notice putting the government on notice um about something like this is a really important 
um, step to making sure something gets gets done. Um, because you know, if you're sending them letters and and they're not responding to it, you can actually hold somebody who's at the head of that agency personally responsible for basically not doing their job, right? For causing you financial hardship and blah, 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 because the commissioner of the DMV isn't doing his job. Um, like that's something you can do. And so when, you, when you're building up evidence that you've done everything you possibly can, like by sending a certified letter, then it's like that, that puts them in check. And when they get those certified letters, they respond. Um, and so this is it right here, section 414 of the Louisiana um, Motor Vehicle Code, I guess. Um, and it says right here that they can suspend your license for 12 months when you get a ticket from any other city or state or anything like that. So, um, so what that means is when they got that, uh, when they got that suspension notice about that other ticket, um, they can only suspend it for 12 months from then. And so if you send a certified letter saying, Hey, you guys have suspended the license for more than 12 months. Um, I've talked to the governor, blah, blah, blah. Um, this needs to get removed now you're you're in violation of the law and you're causing me financial hardship and like you know just just give them the list of all the problems that they're creating for you send a copy to the governor too um and uh like this is um like that's that's like a really solid first step the the next thing um that you might be able to do going back to the what i was talking about with the um credit reporting laws is um and i was trying to track down the the what organization runs this this interstate um database uh but basically if you can figure out who's who's running that and it should be pretty easy to find and i can i can help you find that um is to contact them and it might be the same thing send a certified letter and you basically say look there's there's this information in the system is being reported by louisiana that i have a suspended license um, they're only allowed to suspend it for 12 months. I've tried to contact them. They refuse to respond. Um, and you know, something like that. And you need to verify that this is valid. And, and, you know, if it's on that record, it needs to be valid and less than 12 months old. And what they're going to do is they're, they're obligated to look at it. Um, I don't know whether or not they're going to, they're going to instantly comply with this law or whether you need to, you know, take them take them to court over it but let's let's hope for the you know hope for the best from you know doing doing what you can what's easy first which is just to send them a letter um and tell them you know you need to you need to fact check this basically and when they call the louisiana dmv if they don't respond if they don't pick up the phone if they can't contact somebody um then it's going to you know they have to default to well we can't confirm this information from louisiana so we're just going to have to remove it from our database um and and that's what they're going to have to do so um and actually kind of regardless of what that law you know whether or not that that falls under the uh credit reporting act it, it's it, it almost doesn't matter because um they're you know they're they're still presenting information which they can't valid which they can't verify to be true um, which, you know, under under normal circumstances, common law or anything else would just be fraud. So, um, or libel or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I would, so I would definitely start there. Send that, send that one letter to both the Louisiana DMV and the governor, and then send another letter to, um, to whoever's running this database. 
and and you know tell them to verify or, or remove that information. Um, hey Dan, what was the what was the um the code that in Louisiana for the twelve months? I didn't hear the uh, number. Section four one four, and it looks like it's uh RS thirty two four one four. So thirty two dash four one four, um, which is I'm just reading it right off the the legislator's website, and it's like uh, you know garbage. Doesn't even tell you like what. <laughs> it's just the law written right there. Like what chapter is that in? What section is it in? It doesn't say. Um, well, and then so if I could get it into court, my ex husband would take care of it because um, we know everybody. That's the funniest part about this whole thing. But um. My question to him was, and he didn't even know the answer, so I'll ask you since you did say tickets and flags, what's the difference between a suspension and a flag? Um, it depends on the state um, and and what they're you know what they do with that information. I mean, a suspension could be a flag, like it could be the same thing. Um, I had one suspended in California, and it was um it it was basically a flag based and it you know basically what happened was it was suspended for um you know whatever period it was 12 months or whatever um but at that point i i had no interest in renewing it um in fact i had no interest in getting a license at all so um so at that point it was suspended and then a few years later i was stopped um i was stopped in texas and and they were like uh you know where's your license and i was like i don't have one I don't believe in that. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, he, he was asking, you know, all my information and, and going through the system and he found my license in California and, um, and, uh, basically said, Oh, well, it turns out you do have one, but it's suspended. And I was like, I was like, yeah, but that was like years ago, that suspension period is over. And he's like, well, according to the system, it's still, it's still suspended. Um, so it was, it was kind of like a flag, um, you know, that was just there. But all I had to do was call California and say, hey, um, take that off. And I just, I just, you know, luckily I was able to just call the DMV and say, hey, um, you guys are still showing my license is suspended, but um, it's been more than, you know, whatever the, the 12 month or whatever period was. And they were just like, you know, click, 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 looking through the computer. And they said, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, okay, well, we'll remove the suspension. But, um, you know, there was... The thing was, like, once the suspension is over, I had to, like, pay him, like, 100 bucks to to actually, like, remove the flag. Um, and uh, they told me over the phone where they, they were like, I can remove the I can remove the flag, but um, you're still not going to be able to get a license in California. And I was like, yeah, OK, I don't care. Um, but uh, but remove the flag. And so they removed it. So now if another state tries to look up my license, um, they're not going to see a suspended license in California. Um, so, but, you know, I know it's like a totally different scenario if, you know, if you can't get them to pick up the phone and do anything about it, but I would imagine it's probably going to be the same thing. It's just a matter of, you know, for <laughs> this is, you know, this is how brilliant the government is. They'll create a, they'll create an interstate database that has all this information about everybody's driver's licenses and when they get suspended and everything. But when, you know, when the period is over, it doesn't automatically remove the flag like it should you have to call in and do it manually, which is just total bullshit. Um, you know, or maybe they want you to walk in, <laughs> but you know, that's impossible from where you are. So, um, 
so yeah i mean the next best thing is 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 a certified letter and like it's like that really does go a long way um you know and and, and you know when we like when you have a certified letter basically what you have is you have the federal government um as a witness to the fact that they delivered that letter to <laughs> to them right so it's like you know you might as well have hired a process server and the fact with calling the governor's office and then you got that great lady that I really think wanted to help you and everything, but you're out of sight, out of mind now. It's now Monday. And if she didn't help you right then on Friday, there's no there's no chain of custody of this. There's no proof that you ever even called. So I'd say do the certified letter regardless, Shannon. And even if you get some kind of proof that they took care of it, then just cover your tracks, hold them accountable for that. I actually, different situation, but I just got a, an email that apparently I'm part of a class action lawsuit in Ohio. So I hope that we can talk about that next time, but they have databases of all of this stuff. But I'm part of a class action suit in Ohio having to do with our Bureau of Motor Vehicles. They have ways of getting in contact with you and they haven't done it yet. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, there's, so, I mean, that's kind of like the whole thing with like the bureaucracy. Like, that's just how it works. Like, like you know it'll happen with like any major corporation where they've got like a customer support staff of like thousands of people where, you know, you talk to somebody and they're really helpful and they're like, Oh yeah, I know exactly. Like, yeah, well I can't do it though, but I can get you over to the right department. Like that's kind of what's going on here. And it's like, they really want to help you, but it like, they're not really the ones who can help even if they're working for the governor's office or even if they're, you know, from somewhere higher up, it's like, um, that's, that's kind of the the messed up part of, of the bureaucracy. Yeah, if I recall, just going to bounce it off her boss this week, just to make sure. So she didn't feel comfortable or have power enough within her realm to just remove that flag for me. And she had to ask a supervisor. So um, good luck with that one, Shannon. Just wanted to welcome Justin to the room as well. So my next question is going to be about driving from now until we get this fixed, because obviously I have to, like, it's not possible for me to not to. Um, and I, I have done a bunch of looking up and I found Shapiro versus Thompson and I found Shuttlesworth versus the city of Birmingham. So I understand that I have a free right to travel and I understand that you can't put a fine permit or fee on that right. But how do I get away with actually doing that? <laughs> like, how? Like when the trooper pulls me over and they impound my car, I mean, I'm just fucked at that point. So it doesn't help for me to get a court date and go tell the court, you know, like I have a free right to travel um, because I won't even be able to get to the court because they'll have my car locked up. So I'm trying to just figure out what the smartest way of going about actually like putting into action the fact that I do have a right to drive um, without causing myself even more legal fucking headache. 
Right. Um, so this is a pretty complicated subject, but um, and let me let me say this too before, because I want to I want to correct some of the words that you're using and and their meanings. Um, but before I do that, I want to say there's probably some other people out there who who have different opinions of of what they mean um, or which words you should use. But so so first of all, I would say um, it's it's not. It's not a right to drive. It is a privilege to drive, but driving just means you're using a car for hire. Somebody paid you to take them or their property to somewhere else. Um, that's driving, and we we use that word because you know the government created these these regulations around driving and convinced us that anything you do in a car is driving. Um, but if you're taking your kids to school, uh, taking yourself to work, that's not driving. Um, that's some people will call that traveling. Um, some people, uh, some people will call that motoring. Um, you know, it's it's. But the the point is because traveling and and uh, motoring don't necessarily have a specific definition according to law, but driving does. And so that's kind of like a big gotcha where if you get stopped by the police and they say, "Are you driving without a license?" and you say, "Yes." Well, you just admitted to driving, which is which is, you know, now they got you. Um, but of course, there's also like. Um, what I mentioned about a bureaucracy earlier is like. You. Um, the, the police are trained basically in procedure, right? They don't know the law. They didn't go to law school. Um, they hardly read any of the, the laws as they're written. Um, if anything, they get like a guidebook. Um, through their training, or they get like some some verbal information about what a law means and, and this and that. Um, they don't generally read the actual laws or know the actual text of the laws. Um, and even sometimes when they do, they know that you don't, and so they'll try to manipulate it. But when it comes to driver's licenses, most cops honestly believe that you know <laughs> that it's it's illegal for you to drive without a license, for you to use your car without a license. Um, see, I even said drive without a license. <laughs> um, like that's that's how much it's it's like burned into our brains. Like that's that's the word to use. Um, but so yeah, so the, so the question is um, also I wouldn't say get away with it. The question is not how do you get away with it. The question is how do you deal with a police officer who's basically going to stop you and try to attempt you uh, attempt to deprive you of your right to travel, um, and how do you deal with that? And that is, I mean, that it's it's complicated because there's a million different ways it can go. Um, if you if you go on YouTube and you look for driving without a license, um, you'll find some some good videos where people recorded themselves dealing with cops with that exact um, situation, um, where you know the cop pulls them over and they say, "Yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm just traveling. I'm not driving. I'm not going to answer any questions. I don't need to show you any license." you know, all this stuff. And sometimes the cops just leave them alone and, and that's it. Um, sometimes it turns into a big fight and, and I'm sure, you know, how bad that can get where, you know, they can shoot somebody who's not being compliant. Um, and, you know, even if you're right about that's your right, that's still a possibility. I mean, we've seen people who get shot by the police literally for breaking no law, like, according to the according to the state even right they have their driver's license they have everything in order um they reach for their cell phone or something and they get shot so 
you know, that's always, that's always a possibility, but that's always a possibility, even if you have everything in order. Um, so these are, these are just all things to think about. Um, but um, another thing too is, okay, so let's say you do get stopped by somebody and they're like, okay, you don't have a license and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, the thing is driving without a license, even according to the law, um, and, and I, I, you know, if I were you, I'd double check this in, in Alaska just to verify what the penalty is. But in most places, like the penalty is like nothing compared to driving with a suspended license, um, driving without insurance, you know, all this other stuff. So at the very least, if you want to be safe, um, it's, it's a good idea to get insurance. And yes, you can get insurance without a driver's license. Um, and actually it'll probably be the cheapest insurance you've ever had because <laughs> they don't have a, they don't have a history of all the tickets you've gotten. <laughs> um, that's how ridiculous the system is. Um, but, um, in, in Texas, for sure, I know if you get stopped without a license, um, you know, worst case scenario, they'll tell you to park your car and have somebody else drive you home. Um, but if you get stopped without insurance, they're allowed to just tow your car. So, um, and then in order to get it out, not only do you have to prove you have insurance, you have to show a driver's license to, to be able to drive it off the lot. So you'd have to bring, you know, you can bring somebody else with you who has one, but um, they're also going to charge you, you know, a few hundred bucks for the tow and all that kind of stuff. So it's a pain in the ass. Um, so I would I would see what your local laws are for that and see whether or not you want to yeah. get insurance. I um, actually I actually looked that up the other day because um, Miner was the one that told me. He said we can no longer let you just drive off because I've been pulled over in Alaska before when I first moved here for not having a seatbelt on. Um, and they just gave me a ticket and the judge looked it up. Like when I explained him the situation, he looked it up and he like they, it wasn't it was a non-criminal ticket and I just paid it. Um, so that's the way it used to be here, but they changed it um, right before COVID. And now um, driving without a license or driving with a suspended license in the state of Alaska um, requires them to impound your car. And so if there's no if there's no licensed driver that can you know get behind the wheel and take the car, they impound it. So um, I'd want to see how that's written exactly, but there might be, cause like sometimes they'll write that in a way where it's like, if it's, you know, if it's in the road or something, um, which is why whenever I get stopped, I always, I always pull off into like a private parking lot and park the car. So worst case scenario, like they can't say, you know, it's in the way and we have to move it for public safety or anything like that. It's parked, it's, it's done. Um, and that, that might be a way to get around that in uh in alaska even with those laws but you'll, you'll have to look that up but you also have to like consider like you know like i said the cops don't always know the law and and but they think they know it better than you <laughs> um you know so you can study the law as as much as you want and know everything better than them but that doesn't matter when they stop you like you know a lot of cops are just on a power trip and they're going to say well um the state says i can tow your car so i have to tow your car um, and you can say like, no, the law says you don't have to blah, 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 blah. But what's, what's interesting about that too, it's, it's kind of the same thing as like putting the state on notice. Like when, when you send the certified letter and that sort of thing, um, like if you, if you tell a cop, like, Hey, you know, you're, if you tow my car, you're breaking the law. Um, you know, of course, depending on the circumstances, if he is in fact breaking the law, 
But if you can inform him of that and, and tell him that that's what he's going to be doing, um, then you have you have more of a basis to sue him once, um, you know, if, if, if it comes to that. Um, and if you want to even deal with that, because I mean, I, I've been in that situation and sometimes at the end of the day, it's like, OK, you know, whatever, I got my car back. Um, you know, it's it's not worth it to to go through that lawsuit process because hiring lawyers is a pain in the ass finding someone who wants to to, to sue the state because you know the state who gives them their license to practice law um most most lawyers are afraid to do that um and it's a real pain in the ass to do it yourself because you know everybody's everybody's working against you um i think i think you said earlier something about you know the clerk told you to do something and and that turned out to be wrong and it's like you know, it, it's the same thing. And I've, I've been through that too, like, you know, filing lawsuits in courts and, and, you know, or, or filing legal pleadings against traffic tickets. And like, you can get a little bit of information from the clerk sometime because they know how like the courts are working, like how the paperwork and everything is flowing in the back, um, which is, you know, like courts have their own rules on how they're going to operate and they can make their own rules as long as they're in accordance with law. Um, but if you know how the rules work because you're talking to those clerks, then you can have a better idea of like, you know, what you can actually do. But at the same time, if they give you bad information just because they don't know or because they were, you know, they thought something else, um, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the law is the law. And when you get into the courtroom, you know, if, if um, you know, if your paperwork wasn't filed on time, then the judge can basically say, yeah, we didn't get it on time. So it doesn't count. Um, uh, so yeah, there's 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 a lot to take in uh, into consideration on that. Um. I have a strange sidebar question, if I can. Yeah. All right. So if if driving means basically for hire in one fashion or another, and you can actually get a DUI or DWI uh, both in a power wheelchair or a lawnmower. Um, are you driving if you're not being paid and therefore is it driving under the influence? So that's a, that's a really interesting question. And so here's the thing when it comes to that, right? When it comes to like DUIs, um, those are actually, those are tried in a different court. Um, the, the traffic courts are, they give the illusion that they're criminal courts, but they're not, they're, they're administrative courts and, you know, what they call them and how they operate is a little bit different in every state. But, um, the, the DUIs and like the, you know, the manslaughter cases, the reckless driving, um, like all that kind of stuff that goes into like a regular criminal court, like that goes into a court where they'll give you a lawyer. Um, they'll give you a jury trial right? Like they'll give you a, a defense lawyer if you can't afford your own. Um, and this is like, you know, they, they won't do that with a speeding ticket, right? You, you run a red light or a stop sign or you turn without your blinker. Like they're not going to give you a lawyer. They're not going to give you a jury trial um, because those are all like, they're, they're all under the same code, but they're different, right? Um, and so then, uh, does driving then have a different legal definition in a criminal court jargon? So, no, but what I think is interesting, what I was getting at is what I think would happen if you brought up, so let's say you got a DUI and you don't have a driver's license, or let's say you're, you're in, you're in like an electric scooter or something, um, or on a horse <laughs> as, uh, as you can get one on a horse in Texas. 
um, I think what they would do is, is, you know, if, if you were able to bring up that point and say, you know, I'm not operating a motor vehicle according to the motor vehicle code and, and make that a point, what they would do is they would, they would just change the, the charge um, to something else like, you know, like uh, public intoxication, reckless endangerment, you know, blah, 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 some, some common law, criminal something. Um, that's what they would do. Um, but as far as I know, nobody's ever tried that. Um, and, but Hey, that would be, that would be something interesting, but I mean, you know, most people who get stopped, um, I, I can't say I know anybody who drives without a license that, that, um, that drinks and drives. So that's, uh, well, I've actually been pulled over in my wheelchair before right here in Mount Upton. Um, so do they give you a breath test? Uh, well, it wasn't for drinking and driving. It was for other things. But um, <laughs> now I want to know. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you're well known. And the the point I was getting at was if it is your wheelchair and they pull you over for DUI, you're you're, you're right. Public intoxication, I guess, could apply. Um, is there an advantage to public intoxication over a DUI as far as the uh, criminal charge limits, the sentencing limits? Um, it probably varies from state to state. They're both misdemeanors unless you kill somebody. Um, so I, I would think the, the, the sentencing would be along the same lines. Usually a misdemeanor is like worst case scenario is like a thousand dollars in a year. Um, I, I'm sure it varies from state to state and I'm sure um, thanks to inflation, it's a little bit higher than that now. I think we've run into the oldest catch-22 that I know in this. It's illegal to drive drunk home, and it's illegal to walk home because of public intoxication. Right. It can also be illegal to loiter where you are drunk. Well, so this is an interesting one, too, and I don't know... Um, I don't know how they define public intoxication in every state, but in California, at least, public intoxication, um, which most cops don't even know this, uh, public intoxication means um, you're so drunk that you are a danger to yourself or somebody else. It doesn't just mean that you're you're drunk and walking down the street. So, and that's because I'm using my wheelchair to go home after having drank maybe a couple of drinks too many. Um, I'm a danger. Ooh. Sorry, say that again. So because I'm driving an electric wheelchair home after having a few too many drinks, I'm dangerous. Um, if they were to charge you with public intoxication, that would be their argument. But here's the thing, um, with, so like, okay, with, with driving, driving drunk, right? They have a 0.08 limit. And what they're attempting to do with that is basically just make their job easier, right? Anybody who's got a 0.08 isn't necessarily too drunk to drive, but if you hit 0.08 on a breathalyzer test, it's basically like, oh, he broke the law, he's going to jail. Um, in in any other case, basically, you know, they say, oh, you know, this guy's this guy's drunk in public, he's creating a danger, blah 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 blah. They have to actually convince a jury that what you were doing while you were drunk was dangerous. So were you waving a knife around? That's, they're probably gonna say, you know, the jury's probably gonna be like, oh yeah, that was definitely dangerous. 
um uh you know especially there's a witness that comes out oh yeah and it went right in front of my face it almost cut my nose off um but then like in in uh you know in your case of 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 going down the street in an electric wheelchair like is is that dangerous well okay let's see who are the witnesses who are the witnesses that say it's dangerous why was it dangerous did he almost did he run over somebody's foot um did he almost bump into somebody you know all this other stuff and and you know like they're gonna have to make a case and put it in front of a jury and can convince them um that that you were danger and i can tell you this because um i've i've been arrested for for public intoxication twice um when i was not really drunk congratulations um, yeah and and both times you know I, I told them well both times to be honest the 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 real reason they arrested me was because i was i was saying things to a cop that they didn't like asking him about his job and why he had to do it a certain way and you know that sort of thing um and of course you know we're we're standing in an area where where it's it's a lot of bars and um and you know so they're they're basically out there monitoring for drunk people to pull over and and you know ex extort money from and which is why i was questioning him in the first place and you know he didn't like that so you're under arrest um public intoxication and it's like okay well so you're saying i'm a danger to myself how um can you explain to me how i'm a danger to myself no they, they don't need to right like they say you can beat the rap but you can't beat the ride they can take it to jail um they can make you sit there overnight and then they don't have to file charges they can you know you know they basically say oh well we gave him to the da and he didn't think it was a good case so he's letting it go um you know but uh, he, he basically slapped me in the face by making me sit in a cell for for a day and a half um so you know for them it's like that that's their power trip um they you know it doesn't matter like if i do six months or a year or whatever all, all he gets to do is you know I offended him, so he gets to make me sit in a cell for a few days. So, um, so I think I just need to point out that we've established that the government thinks drunken midgets in wheelchairs are dangerous. If they tried to push that case, then yes. <laughs> um, and and actually. So th this brings up an interesting issue too, right? Um, because there's, there's, especially when it comes to DUI, there's like a lot of issues. Um, and and I, I want to bring this up, you know, back to Shannon's case too, like you know where there's no alcohol involved, but like, especially in Alaska, right? Um, I, I don't know what it's like exactly where you are, but I've I've um, had some friends who live in some like really remote areas of Alaska where it's like. Um, if they want you to like, you know, if it, it like you're out driving in the middle of nowhere, uh, in the middle of the winter, and they want to tow your car because you don't have a license, and basically they just want to like leave you there to walk home, you're gonna die. Um, so you know what's what's their justification for for that? They're they're basically giving you a death sentence because you didn't, you know, you didn't pay the king his, um his annual registration fee on your license. Um, and they might say like, oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll tow you to this place or you, you can go with your car to the tow lot and figure it out there. Or, you know, we'll tow you to the, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a ride back to the police station. Um, you can sit in the cell overnight if you want. Um, but it's like, like, what are you really supposed to do at that point? Like, you know, like you said, when there's no public transportation out there, it's not like you can just hop on a bus and get back home. Um, 
what if what if you have kids at home that you know you got to get back home and feed them um that's that's actually like in my situation i don't have kids but i have dogs um they're they're even less capable of of taking care of themselves um what what would happen if i were out and a cop just decided that you know that because I, i'm not paying the extortion fees they're going to take my car away um and, and make it a life or death situation uh either for myself for my kids for my dogs like like they don't care about any of that stuff um and and this is this is actually um this is kind of an important issue and and i know like most people don't care about this right because most people are like they have their license they're like you know I, like you know they're not they're not like a strange situation where you know some of us are kind of like on the living on the fringe of society so to speak um you know every they've got all their papers in order and everything else you know why don't you just comply um and to them it's like you hear about a story like this and they're just kind of like yeah well why didn't you just you know blah 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 and it's like that's that's not the point basically what we're looking at is we're looking at a government that is supposedly created to protect our rights and keep us safe and all that nice stuff but at the end of the day they're telling us if you don't pay your annual registration fee and keep all your papers in order we're going to put you in a situation where you're going to be stranded and you're going to die and they're going to make it a life or death situation when it doesn't need to be um and you know if you say oh i've got my kids at home i need to go feed them they're just going to assume you're lying maybe and maybe maybe they think you're a liar or maybe they just tell themselves you're lying so that they can they can you know not feel so bad about what they're about to do hey dan can i, um, can I interject here real quick um yeah so remember that that uh section of the code that you read off to uh shannon earlier in that same section because you and i looked it up the other day and found the exact same document it actually says in there about your livelihood and that they cannot affect your livelihood. Yeah. It also it also says that after 12 months that they have to issue um, a hardship license or to reinstate the original. I just read the whole thing while we were all talking. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff in that that y'all gave me. Yeah. And with what you're mentioning there, Dan, though, about um saying I have um, children at home or oftentimes you have children in the car, it can get worse. They call CPS and say, well, we've got yeah. to take you in your car in. And if you happen to be lucky enough that CPS can get them to, to someone, another friend, family member, someone like that, otherwise, they can they can take your kids too, um, all over not paying your extortion fees. Uh, that being said, uh, Steve Seeds just joined us. I wanted to welcome him. And um, go ahead, Dan. Hey, Steve. Welcome. Um, oh, what what Connie just said is why I've had like several. I haven't had a panic attack in two years, and I've had several of them so far um, because I know I have to take. I can't go anywhere without my kids. My kids are with me 24 7, 365. Um, and I definitely don't want to go down that OCS fucking road again. I mean, they took my kids for 13 months That's for something that they should have only had them for like three days. And it's because our court systems are so backed up. And the judge actually apologized to me. But that doesn't make up for the 
500 and almost $600 a month in child support for 13 months. And it certainly didn't make up for me not being around my kids. And now my, my kids have all these anxieties every time I leave them because they think I'm going to leave them forever. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, the state will do a ton of damage and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's that like massive bureaucracy of, well, I'm, I'm sorry, that wasn't me who did it. It was, it was somebody else in another department or, or sorry, you don't, don't be mad at me. It's just the system. We need to, you know, fix the laws. That's not our job here. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tragic. And, and, you know, and, you know, to an extent that that last statement is kind of right, that the laws are bad and they need to be fixed. But at the same time, it's like most people don't, it's a very small percentage of people that really get screwed by this system to the extent they get screwed is like, it's, it's ridiculous and it shouldn't happen, but it's like, unless it happens to like a large number of people, nobody cares about it. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, um, uh, you know, if, if, a single person gets shot um, and murdered. It's like nobody hears. Nobody hears about it. Nobody's like, "Oh, we need to stop that." But you know, when somebody goes in a school and shoots twenty kids, then it's like, "Oh, oh my God!" Like we need to stop this. And it's like, okay, yeah, but that almost never happens. But meanwhile, there are people getting shot every single day, and and nobody's just sitting around saying like, "Yeah, we need to we need to fix this problem." It's the same kind of thing, right? When when people get really screwed by the government, it's you know, rarely ever like. It does happen kind of frequently, but it's like when it happens, it's always different. Um, it's always complicated. So nobody really understands. And, and people, because it's complicated and they can't understand it, they just jump to the mentality of, oh, well, there, there must be something else going on here that we just don't understand because the government's, government's good. Um, and, and that sort of mentality allows the thing to just continue, you know, continue on doing what it's doing. I, I think you find that a case a lot that you'll even have family members that will, you know, you will tell them what happened to you through these systems. And they're like, well, there must be something else or you're autom they're automatically assuming you're this bad person, even family members and, and people that should be. And it's like, you know, until it happens to them or until they actually see proof or you happen to go ahead and begrudgingly take someone to court with you, they have no idea what happens until it happens to them. They just assume, oh, well, you're not telling me something or or whatever the case may be. There must be more to it. And it's like, no, really, no, <laughs> there there really isn't. This is happening again and again. Um, I think we've probably all got stories, except maybe Steve. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking up here in New York um, for Thomas just to get an idea here and um... Uh, section 1281 traffic laws apply to persons operating electric scooters so yeah according to according to this law um, your electric scooter is a motor vehicle um, and you are an operator um, which is which is like that's kind of the important language right um, but at the end of the day like it still comes back to um, you know um, uh, I mean, it's it's the same thing, right? So uh, I'm just trying to think of like um, what uh, you know a basic a basic law that would apply to a car that um, that would also apply to a scooter because of this. Um, they might have some exemptions on like seatbelts or something, but that would be actually written into the law. Um, 
but yeah, so as, as far as they're concerned, so what that means is is if they cite you with DUI, it's because they're treating um, they're treating the scooter as um, as actually a, a motor vehicle. Um, but that's you know, and that's kind of the thing. Like you, so you know, if you wanted to argue that and say like, it's, you know, it's not um, it's not a motor vehicle, um, then that would be uh, that would be an issue that you're gonna you know, have to bring in front of a court, which um, in a lot of cases might get it dismissed. Um, I've, I've seen that happen plenty of times. Like when you, cause, because the reality is this whole, like all these traffic laws that apply specifically to, to transportation, um, which, you know, transportation is like, is, is, um, it's, it's a commercial word. You look up, you, you look up transportation in, um, in legal cases and it it relates to you know transporting something for hire it's never used in the sense of you know taking your kids to school or you know something like that um and, and a lot of this like goes back to like the horse and buggy days right because um because the, you know you could own a horse and you could ride around your horse um and you can you can stick a buggy on it and you can drive that up and down a you know a public highway um and there there have been cases that say like yeah that's that's totally you're right but as soon as you're as soon as you're you know engaged in commerce because because you know for whatever reason um the constitution says they're allowed to regulate commerce um once you're engaged in commerce they're allowed to like license and, and restrict that um and say you know oh well you know you're engaged in commerce you need to have a license you need to do this and that um, and that's, you know, that's, that's basically why uh, taxis are licensed the way they are and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, um, but you know, the, the real problem is that, that they've convinced everybody that, you know, this is all part of the same thing. Like you're, you know, they're treating you as if you're engaged in commerce when you're not. Um, and, and they've gotten everybody to like, believe that, that this all means the same thing so that everybody kind of plays along with it. Um, and so, you know, if you were to get this in front of, a, I mean, the um, really like a higher court um, should be able to look at this and say, like, OK, yeah, this, this is what these this is what these laws apply to when they were written. This is what transportation meant. Um, and because this entire section, you know, the entire motor vehicle code relates to, you know, transportation or in some states it's called transportation code and all this other stuff. It's it's this is all relating to commercial transportation. Um but you won't you won't ever get a case um in into a court like that. Um and it's you know it, it's funny a lot of people say like well where's the where's the court case that says that and there there are some that go you know way back but um as far as like as far as recent cases find one there's a lot of people out there who say you don't need a license to use your car. So where's the Supreme Court case that says you do? Um, and there's, you know, there's there's some cases that kind of get close to it, but they never really hit that mark. Um, so, you know, that would be an interesting thing. But it's, you can't just walk up to the Supreme Court and say, hey, you know, we, we have a lot of uh, discussion going on about this and and we want you to make a decision you know, is, is this commercial or not? Or, you know, does, does this transportation code require, uh, you know, private individuals from driving their kids to school without a license? Um, you can't just do that. And they're going to say, okay, yeah, let's evaluate the case. They, they get to pick and choose and they can reject that case and say, yeah, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about it. So, um, and uh, e even with the, uh, with the income tax, 
um, they've rejected a lot of cases on that. They just don't want to hear it. Like, like questions on whether or not the, the income tax is applicable to every American. That's kind of an important subject, <laughs> um, but they've rejected those cases um, because they don't, they don't want to make a ruling on it. And, and a federal judge had something similar in front of him. And he said, okay, look, I'm being forced to either decide to enforce um, an, un, an unlawful tax code or to basically break the entire income tax system. Um, and he was like, he was like, I'm being forced to make this decision right now. And um, uh, I can't remember the name of that case, but it was, it was like, like that case didn't even resolve itself um, because of that, that position. They had to basically beat around the bush um, and, and not give an answer. Um, <laughs> so and, it's, so how do you it, know state by state? Because in Ohio, we actually had one that had so many layers to it and it kind of reflects a little bit back to what Thomas was talking about with, with his motorized wheelchair or with the scooter, only it was with a four wheeler in Ohio, you have to get a legally you're supposed to get a plate for a canoe a kayak that sort of thing um all of those things we had a person that had someone steal their four-wheeler that happened to have the kayak tied to the back of it you know pulling it with a rope right and they could not um, report that and there's no plate for the four-wheeler um, the person was intoxicated, ran into their wheelchair ramp that came up on the back of their house. So they jumped from place to place to place with this, um, managed to get DUI charges to stick because of the, the kayak that also, you know, had hit the, the wheelchair ramp and so forth that went up to the house. They still could not report the, um, the four-wheeler as a stolen vehicle, but they were able to get damages and different things with that. I mean, that one case had so many levels and, and layers to it that it was just crazy. And it was just an Ohio state law thing. Um, at the same time that case was going on, we had another guy who had made a motorized um, bar stool to go from his garage down to the VFW to drink, right? And he got a DUI on his motorized uh, bar stool um so it's it's a state by state issue it's by how one judge wants to interpret it and not another it's um it's all just a big cluster um cluster yeah. i started to say a word on your recording it's a it's a mess so um you have like you know, a lot of people complain about loopholes, like, oh, it's those rich people getting away with those loopholes, not paying it. But it's like, no, actually, what's what's really going on is the government is creating these loopholes against us because the Constitution says they can't do certain things. Um, so and that's why these things are so complex. They're they're you know, they're trying to get around these, you know, like you hear about like people who have these really complex tax schemes where they can, you know, shelter their money offshore and blah, 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 this and that and and get away with not paying paying taxes. And they call that a loophole, and it's like it's like that's why the tax that's why the the all the laws are so complex in the first place is because they're trying to get around constitutional limits. Exactly, and you have the same um, 
deal back to that same case, the, the person that had the things um, stolen from them and the property damage done, um, that all happened while they were away and they returned home to find this mess and the guy drunk laying on their trampoline, right? And he's like, well, I was just so distraught that I was trying to, to get back there and I was so distraught after doing the property that I just sat down and drank. So again, yet another loophole because, you know, the, the police and so forth hadn't pulled them over and all of that. He's saying that the accident caused him to be upset. So he started drinking. So it's, <laughs> there's so many loopholes and different things and thank goodness for them sometimes. Don't get me wrong, but some of the stuff you just cannot make up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I heard, I heard a story about a guy who he got pulled over, pulled over by the police. And like the first thing he did was he jumped out of the car, opened a bottle of like whiskey and just chugged the whole bottle. Um, so that, so that he couldn't be charged with a DUI. Um, he, like, and so he like, he did it outside of the cop, outside of the car in front of the cop. Um, so, so he didn't be charged because, you know, what are you going to do? Take him back to the station and get his blood alcohol level? <laughs> um, like, how do you know that didn't just happen when he jumped out of the car? Um, so, yeah, it's it's um, it's pretty crazy. Um, so I, I want to go back to um, I was digging this up while we were talking, because um, this is this is kind of like uh, the fundamental. Um, uh, meanings of of these uh traffic laws so um so new york um defines a vehicle as every device upon or by which any person or property is or may be transported or drawn upon a highway except devices moved by human power or used exclusively upon stationary rails or tracks um so stationary rails or tracks so basically they're excluding a train they're saying a train is not a vehicle um, it would be a vehicle if they didn't write that ex exclusion in there, but um, but every device that that goes down a highway um, is a vehicle. Um, but it says by which any person or property is or may be transported, and that's the important part because transport. Um, so if you go, I've got a legal dictionary here that defines transportation as the removal of goods or persons from one place to another by carrier. And this right here lists out all of these court cases. Some of them are Supreme Court cases, um, Railroad Company versus Pratt, um, Commerce Coin versus Brimson, uh, Gloucester Ferry Company versus Pennsylvania. Basically, all these cases, if you if you look them up, these are these are kind of the definitive um, uh, resources in, in in determining legally what does. Uh, what does transportation mean? Um, because, you know, it's like, you know, let's go back to this, to this definition. Um, every device upon which any person or property is or may be transported or drawn upon a highway. Um, so that's a skateboard. Is a skateboard a vehicle? Um, well, if you're charging somebody for skateboard rides, <laughs> then yes, but, um, like according to this definition, a skateboard or a bicycle or um, roller skates, um, you know, any this is this is all a vehicle. Those little uh, what do they call them? Um, the, those little electric uh, things with the wheels that the kids have. Um, 
I can't think of what they're called. Um, but um, yeah, so like like any of this stuff is considered a vehicle according to this. Now, what's interesting too is you know because they have a definition for commercial commercial motor vehicle, right? So some people say no, no, no. Obviously, commercial motor vehicle is um, is commercial, and a regular vehicle is is non-commercial. Um, well, that's what it would appear like, except when you start reading the definition of commercial motor vehicle, um, what it defines itself is, is basically as a vehicle that has a gross weight rating um, of 10,000 pounds or more, um, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's all these different rules. And what's interesting, too, is the federal government has a different definition of commercial motor vehicle um, that says uh, here the New York the New York one says more than 15 passengers. I think federally it's more than 16 passengers. So so basically like they have all these laws saying like you know all these all these different things. And so if you put if you put all that stuff together, it's like okay. So if you have a bus that fits 14 people, it's not a commercial vehicle. Um, but if you have a bus that fits 15 people, it is a commercial vehicle. Um, and and what really what what difference does this really make well at the end of the day like it has to do with uh, do you have a commercial driver's license you have to have a special license that's you know that's one grade above and they treat that differently because usually what they consider a commercial vehicle is bigger right like big semi trucks and that sort of thing um, and so what they're really differentiating is um, is small commercial vehicles and big commercial vehicles um, so, but they they like to confuse us by saying, "Oh, well, it's it's commercial." And the definition itself, um, uh, let's see, I don't know if this one says it. Uh, this one, this part is really interesting. Um, that's not letting me search that way. Um, the the federal uh, the federal government's definition of a commercial VD vehicle is th this is hilarious. A vehicle which is engaged in commerce and is you know fits more than 16 people or it's more than this weight and blah 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 and it's like okay wait a minute so if it's not engaged in commerce and it fits 16 passengers or it's more than this weight or blah 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 according to that law it is not a commercial vehicle right so let's say you have an rv but it's not engaged in commerce then it's not a commercial vehicle it has to be identified, though, with the marks of not for hire, and that gets into, you know, uh, licensing and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's what a lot of people do. They 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 put plates on their car which say not for hire, which, um, um, in my opinion, is kind of worthless, right? Because you have, you're you're innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> so, um, you know what what reasonable cause uh, do they or reasonable suspicion or probable cause do they have to believe that you are working for hire um, if you don't have a plate on there? It, they should have the well, burden of proof. Well, and that's where they get into where you have to have a registered U.S. Department of Transportation permit number uh, displayed on the side of the vehicle. Why would you need that? Well, that's what According to uh, Department of Transportation with uh, commerce vehicles, it doesn't matter the gross vehicle weight and it doesn't matter whether they're classified as a bus or non-bus. Um, if you are working 
as a commercial vehicle, you are registered with the U.S. Department of Transportation, and that uh, identifying number for your business has to be displayed on the vehicle. Just like if you're driving a tractor trailer, but you you're, you know you got your race outfit in it, and it says "not for hire" on the side, you are exempt from Class Six through Eight rules and regulations. Is there is there an actual law that says if you have something not for hire, then that it exempts you? I, I, I'd actually have to look in the, the commercial code, but there's something that actually says that you have to have a U.S. DOT number. Uh, you have to be registered with the DOT, and that number has to be displayed on every vehicle under the company unless it's a passenger vehicle, whether it's like a Nissan Altima or something. But right. if it's a pickup truck, so it has to engaged have that DOT number displayed. We're, we're, talking about, we're talking about vehicles not engaged in commerce. Right. And that's where the not for hire comes in. But like I said, if you are, if you are running a commercial vehicle, like for a race car team, but it's, it's your private team, you are not, you're still, that's, uh, that's not but you're still, you're still doing, you're still doing inter, interstate commerce because you are crossing over to become um, entertainment. It's still considered commerce, but you're, you know, it's just depends on what the state troopers want to do. You're engaged in commerce, but it's not a commercial vehicle because that vehicle is not being used to transport people. So it's not, the vehicle itself is not a commercial vehicle. That's, that's the important distinction. And that's exactly what the law says. And as far as I know, Can you there give me the statute. On what, what, yeah, what, what is a, what is a commercial vehicle? Yes. I was just reading here from New York. Um, commercial motor vehicle means any self-propelled or towed motor vehicle used on a highway or interstate. So first of all, race cars not used on the highway. Um, or um, international commerce to transport passengers or property when the vehicle and then adds certain conditions to that. So, so all the conditions met here means it has to be self-propelled uh, motor vehicle. It has to be used on a highway or interstate or international um, highway. And it has to be used to transport passengers or property. That's, that's the definition of a commercial vehicle. And then it also has to have um, a gross vehicle weight or gross combination weight of 10,000 pounds or more, whichever is greater. Uh, B is designed or used to transport more than eight passengers, including um, driver for compensation. C is designed to use is designed or used to transport more than 15 passengers, including the driver, and is not used to transport passengers for compensation. Um, which which is interesting right there. So they're saying it's commercial if it's got um, eight passengers and you're charging them, but it's not commercial if you've got 15 passengers and you're not charging them. Or sorry, it is. It, it's still commercial if you've got 15 passengers, but you're not charging them. Um, and that would be something like a like a church bus or something. Um, uh, is used in transporting material found by the United States Secretary of or the Secretary of Transportation to be hazardous under Section 5103. Blah 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 blah. So so these are all the conditions of of a commercial motor vehicle. So a race car is you know it's it's on a private track. It's not considered a, a commercial motor vehicle. That's that's not what I said, Dan. I said towing a race car, like a race operation, like okay, a NASCAR car goes Definitely. into a trailer and then is traveled by tractor trailer between races. As a private citizen, 
that has you know um, a toter home, which is a, a commercial grade vehicle. But if it's marked not for hire, it doesn't matter what the gross vehicle weight is or any of that, even though it's still engaging in commerce, crossing state lines to provide entertainment. So, you know, it, it, it gets real, real hairy, you know, because I can be an 80 year old man driving um, a uh, class A motorhome with a diesel engine and air brakes, but I don't need an air brake endorsement on my driver's license. And I don't need a class B CDL to operate it because it's a private RV, not for hire. So it, it, it's, it, it's just a whole lot of BS when it comes to that. But now if you're driving a commercial vehicle with, you know, um, an auxiliary power unit and it's got 50,000 pounds worth of commerce on it, <clears throat> or even if it's food donated, it's still considered a commercial vehicle, even though that food is not being actually sold for retail purposes. Yeah, I, I mean, I think some of that you're right, but I, I think there's, there's, I mean, you're definitely right about the gray area, and that's the, that's the tricky part, right? Because at the end of the day, um, what we were talking about earlier is, what do you do when you get stopped by the cops and they don't know the law? Um, and and this is you know, it doesn't matter if you have the, you know, a law book on you and you can point at it and, and tell them to read it. It doesn't matter if you have, um, you know, printed out Supreme Court rulings that, that say, you know, what you're doing doesn't require a certain license. Um, none of that matters. Um, the, the, the cops are just bureaucrats and they're going to follow their follow their orders. And, you know, I've, I've gotten plenty of tickets where they've um, they've, you know, it was a bogus ticket. I told, you know, I tell the cop it's not illegal. I cite all the laws. And, you know, what are you going to do? All you got to do is go to court and, and say this is bullshit and they'll get rid of it. Um, but you still have to waste your time, you know, going through that whole process. They might, you know, depending on, on you know, exactly what it is, they might have towed your car. Um, they might have given you a ticket. You might have, you know, all this kind of stuff to deal with. Um, and, and that's kind of that's kind of the point. So you know, regardless of what's right, we're, we're kind of stuck in a situation where uh, it doesn't matter. We're, we're, we have to kind of deal with, um, with these cops. Now, there's definitely, um, there's definitely a lot of people who are out there who, um, who, you know, make it a point to get in front of cops to do this, just to educate the cops, to make, to, to raise awareness to it, uh, to make YouTube videos out of it, um, showing people that, you know, they, they do know the law and that there are cops that do know the law because they've been through it a few times. Um, and you know, that, that stuff's all great, but, um, uh, I know it's, it's a difficult thing to, to get into when you're, you know, when you've got kids, um, you got to get to work and all that's that kind of stuff. I actually have an example of a parking ticket that was written by, um, a municipality Wauwatosa, but I lived in Milwaukee. And it's actually right where I lived was, if you were to look at a Wauwatosa map, that is the cutoff. It's literally the cutoff. Well, when I went to court, the judge just asked a bailiff, is that address Wauwatosa? Bailiff said, yes. Judge said, my, I trust my bailiff. Do you want to pay the fine? Absolutely not. I want to go to trial. Judge responds, it's a no point fine. Why don't you just pay the $50? With all due respect, judge, your bailiff doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground 
I have the map in my hand, I want a trial date. And it didn't even go to trial because I called my alderman and have him call the Wauwatosa Police Department. And in the and in, in the meantime, my registration was suspended. Ended up getting pulled over in Juneau County uh, and dealing with that and having to make phone calls and copies of, you know, it, it was a big, it was just like a six months hassle all because a judge didn't want to look at his own city map. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like uh, something they would do. I mean, like, and it's like, that's the thing too, right? Like, they'll, they don't want to, and a lot of times they don't want to, um, they don't want to embarrass themselves by admitting, you know, especially when it's a cop, they don't want to admit they made a mistake. Um, you know, there's so many, like there was a, I had, um, I was, uh, uh, I don't remember what, the, oh, I was driving, driving without a license. Um, I had a ticket for that, or sorry, driving with a suspended license, right? Um, and I was in court and, and, you know, it's just, it's me versus the cop, right? My word versus his. And he's telling the story and he's like, yeah, so I radioed in and I asked about this, this driver's license and they said it was suspended. And, and I was like, objection, that's hearsay. And the, the judge laughed. The, the 50 cops that were sitting all together in the back of the court were all laughing. And they all thought that was hilarious that I, that I would dare to say such a thing. And, you know, the judge was, you know, at, at the time, I didn't really know the difference, but he was a he was a fake judge. Um, he, he wasn't really a judge, but he just ruled guilty anyways. And I went on to appeal it. And the appeals court basically said, oh, yeah, that was a miscarriage of justice. That was clearly hearsay. So it's like you have these people in these in these positions that like like a, like even if you're a temporary judge, like that's like like I, I think everyone knows what hearsay is, like <laughs> whether you have a law degree or not. Um, that's not, that's not like, you know, high end Harvard legal knowledge, right? So anybody who works their way in to even sit on a judge's bench, even as a fake judge should know what hearsay is. And, and they should have, they should have just said, oh yeah, that's true. But they don't want to embarrass themselves in front of everybody else who's sitting there getting a ticket, admitting that like the whole system is a scam. Cause I mean, like, for something so basic, right? Like if you call, like, you know, a cop calls over the radio and like he's writing a ticket based on what somebody on the other end of a radio says, and he doesn't bring in any documents to back any of that up to, to, to court. Like how many other people were in there for a similar ticket and who, after, when I was done with my ticket, you know, they might've said the same thing, but they were like, why bother with that? I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a guilty charge anyways. Like how many, how many people went through that? Because that's normal, right? Like police are normally on fishing expeditions to, um, to, you know, just pull, pull over as many people as they can for like, this is why they pull you over for such petty things. They're hoping they're going to find drugs or they're going to find a suspended license or you didn't pay a ticket or, you know, something like that, that they can really get you for. Like, that's why they stop you for not using your blinker or for going two miles an hour over um, that. And the fact that, you know, the quota. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like all of this stuff is, is, you know, they have to, they have to keep the appearance that, you know, that, that they're right, that they know what they're doing and that they're not doing anything wrong. Dan, one thing that I have burned into my memory banks and I will never forget it is when I was, uh, in front of the court commissioner during my preliminary hearing, 
going. And the court commissioner states, even though there's no validity to these charges, we still have probable cause to move forward. <laughs> and he, it's like, and I, and hindsight being 2020, you know, this was, this is fucking 2007. I swore I apologize. Um, it's 2007. And um, they, uh, my, 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 my lawyer, you know, never picked up on that. And I, I wish I could get the, um, I wish I wanted to pay for the documents to actually get that on record, because I think that would be immediate uh, dismissal of my actual felony charge. Cause the court commissioner stated even before the case began, even though there is no validity to these charges, we still have probable cause. It's so that's just the ridiculousness of the court system. Um, and I will trumpet anybody to go to trial and make sure that uh, they have their P's and Q's together as far as what the actual um, statute is that is the charge against them. Right. What I what I found yeah. a lot of times is that you go back for that because. I've got two such cases where I was, um, we'll just say apprehended and, um, you know, I'm like, I'm going to completely take this to whatever. There's absolutely no record that any of it ever took place. I could sit in the pokey from Friday to Monday afternoon, not a thing in there about it because they had nowhere they could go with it. Like, how do they arrest you for resisting arrest when they didn't have anything to arrest you for? You know, things like that, things, you know, technicalities. So, um, again, amazingly enough, you'll find that there's no record that any of it ever happened. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole, you can beat the rap, but you can't beat the ride thing. I mean, um, nobody's ever been convicted of resisting arrest without any claim of, you know, what they were actually being arrested of. Um, especially, I mean, there's, there's a Supreme court, um, uh, ruling that if you're resisting unlawful arrest, you have the right to use whatever force necessary. If it, if it is in fact an unlawful arrest. So, um, you know, that basically says if, you know, if, if you're resisting arrest and there's no cause for the arrest, then it's an unlawful arrest and you have a right to resist it. Um, but, you know, when when they take you to the, you know, they throw you in the police car and take you to the station, they just have to write a police report and, you know, just, just put something on there. <laughs> uh, he's resisting arrest, um, you know, or or he's drunk in public, right? They, they can't, pr- I, I said I got, um, I got arrested for that once for, for exercising my right to free speech. And, and um, while I was in there and they're saying like, yeah, you're too drunk. I said, really? Give me an alcohol test. And they said, well, we can't do that because you weren't driving. So you're telling me you're capable of collecting evidence to support what the, the thing that you're going to charge me with. But since that machine only works for, you know, since there's only a 0.08 limit on on driving and not anything else, you're not going to you're not going to use that as evidence that you supposedly have that I'm drunk. Right. So it's just going to be cops word against mine. Okay, um, I've seen you and Mike. Go ahead. Are you talking about me? Yes. Yeah. So now you're speaking my language. I've been arrested many, many times in my life, but uh, twice I've been arrested for resisting arrest with no other charges. Both times they were dropped. 
it was just to control the situation, throw me in jail, spend a couple hours in jail, let me out, and then they drop the charge. It's all harassment. Yeah. And good luck trying to sue them because that's um, that's all covered under their immunity. No, when I saw uh, an attorney, the attorney goes, there's nothing you can do about it. Move on. Yep. Yeah, it, it's like it, it's ridiculous because it's like if this were like, um, you know, imagine you're you're at like a, a Walmart and they arrest you for shoplifting and then they search your pockets and they don't find anything. And then, you know, you you. I don't know. You try to you try to make a break for it because you're like being held there. You weren't actually shoplifting. They're just accusing you. Um, and then, you know, when the police show up, they say, oh, now he's trying to evade arrest uh, like Walmart would get sued. <laughs> the police wouldn't. Um, it, it's absolutely insane. Like as as much as <laughs> this kind of gets me like like, you know, all these people who complain about these, these corporations have too much power and this and that. And it's like. Look at the government. <laughs> you can sue a corporation pretty easily. I get it. There's a, there's some big corporations that are pretty untouchable. Um, that's a bad thing. But look at the government because, I mean, the, the government shows up in my daily life a lot more than, um, you know, Enron or, <laughs> I don't know, um, Monsanto or something. Um, I don't know. I guess it's kind of hard to say that because they, they, they control all the food, too. But. <laughs> True yeah, enough. Get, on the get, fact that you, that you don't go after them for um for things like that like oh well the charges are dropped and you're like they they count on people being thankful that there's no record of it happening when they turn in less drugs than they busted you with then they think you're going to be happy and, and they've had some cases though where they're like nah i had a pound of weed on me and the dude wrote it for this much. Where's the rest of the drugs? They don't count on somebody pushing the envelope with them or, you know, the cops, you know, doing whatever with the rest of the drugs. You know, there is no bigger, bigger thief than the government. I'll land with that and uh, welcome up, Ron. One thing I wanted to say is that I now whenever I engage in what would it be classified as an official interaction with any deputy or sheriff or uh, police officer, I always ask them their name. And then I always ask them for their full name and their badge number. And then I'll never acknowledge them as their title. I will always say their first name. Just as a precipice that I do not recognize any authority that is supposedly going to be imposed here because I'm just talking to another human being. Regardless of if they're in a uniform or they're in plain clothes with, you know, a weapon and a belt and a badge, it's always, what's your name? What's your badge number? And then only acknowledging the first name or calling them by Mr. or Mrs. or Miss in their last name. And that's it. That's an interesting strategy because I'm sure on some level that's that's getting in their head that like, you know, you're you're not the criminal that that their training has has taught you they are you're just a person um you know trying to interact with them as just a person well it throws a lot of them off guard because um i've had interactions with sheriffs and they'll say i'm deputy so and so 
and I'll ask them, okay, well, deputy so-and-so, what's your first name and your last name and your badge number just for my record. And I'll always have my tablet out, no matter if they're just approaching the vehicle, I'll have it clearly on the steering wheel with the notes open going pulled over at this time at this place or mile marker. And, you know, um, person who initiated stop name badge number and they'll see that when they look down so um yeah and then if there's anything like an interview i had with the sheriff that was serving me some paperwork uh he was like well can i come in your house i said no he was like well why he said there's no reason to go in my house you got a warrant and he's like no i could get one i was like yeah but you're not coming in my house because there's no reason to what what can I do for you? And he was serving me restraining order papers from a former employer that just fired me because um, another employee wanted to say that based on a conversation I was talking to somebody at the parts counter with that I was going to come in and try and shoot up a uh, a party that was being held by the corporation. And I said, it's funny that you bring that up because I was actually talking about because Vegas just happened. And I was actually talking about why I would not go to a corporate because somebody could show up and do this and do that. And somebody took it out of context and corporate didn't care. So whatever. But it's, it's the fact that even though they thought I was supposed to be some uh, supposed wannabe shooter, you know, I still interacted with them, not arrogantly or anything like that, but directly, you know, not not having a uh, condescending tone, but having a stern tone that, you know, understood that, you know, I'm not surrendering anything to you as far as hierarchy or placing you above me or anything like that. So um, it, I think that's something to be said about body language and how you speak also. And to let them know that, you know, uh, we're on an even playing field, no matter what you know, your label title or category is or who you think you are because you are uh, a part of a government entity. Thanks for that, Justin. And that brings up a good question. Uh, Dan, if you could provide, no matter where you are in the country, you, you see the blue flashing lights behind you and you, you actually pull over. How do you address them? Do you answer their questions? that sort of thing what what's your um, um well, i know you're not an attorney you know we'll preface it with that but well, someone yeah. pulls you over what do you say i like to be adventurous and, and strike up a conversation um but uh of course depending on how much time i have but in general um uh you know don't consent to searches and don't answer questions and if they start asking a lot of questions just say i don't answer questions um like there's like, you know, because they'll add, like they'll come to your window and they'll try to be friendly and, you know, hi, yeah, the reason I pulled you over, blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, I just want to, you know, make sure everything's okay. And, you know, can I see your license? And like, you have to say yes to that, right? Can I see your registration? And you have to say yes to that. And there's actually this, um, this um, psychological theory that like salespeople use too, where it's like, you know, they'll ask you a bunch of yes questions where you have to say yes. And then they'll start asking the questions or, and, you know, so so do you want to buy this? And you're like, you, you have the momentum of saying yes to everything. So that's when the cop starts asking you, so where are you headed to? 
um, you know, seems like a harmless question to answer. And, you know, and then they'll start asking like, you know, really harmless questions and you might feel like, oh, I can answer that. There's no, there's no shame in that. Um, and then they'll work their way up to like, can, you don't mind if I look inside your car, do you? Um, so what a lot of people do is just when they ask that first question, where are you headed? Where are you coming from? Just say, I don't answer questions. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, and sometimes they might say, well, why don't you answer questions? And you can just say, I don't answer questions. And that usually shuts them up pretty quick and they, you know, they'll do what they're going to do. Sometimes they'll just give you back your license and won't even bother you writing you a ticket. Um, well, there so, are that will say, do you know why I pulled you over? And people <laughs> really answer this. And yeah. a lot of times it's not even why they pulled you over. But that's that like was... a mission. <laughs> yeah. I've got a cute and... answer if I was speeding. Um, and I've heard it work. I've never actually tried it, but uh, I've heard from like urban legend that this works. If I get pulled over for speeding and the cop says, what did I pull you over for? Well, I wasn't speeding, but I passed a couple of people who were, and they're coming up here in a couple of seconds. <laughs> One of the things I like to always say, cause I got pulled over by a sheriff because my headlight went out right as I crossed the railroad tracks. I had a spare in my glove compartment. And I was thinking, ah, oh, well, I'm almost home. So they got pulled over by the sheriff. And this sheriff actually said, the re hi, tonight my name is Deputy whatever his name was. The reason I pulled you over was is because you have a headlight out. And, you know, it's a safety concern. We're in the middle of the country. You know, it's deer season. We don't want you to hit a deer. Sometimes it just depends on who you're interacting with. But what I always uh, use is when they say, oh, where, where are you coming from? And I always say my departure point. Where are you <laughs> headed? To my destination. You know, yeah. and to be the, the best thing to be from what I've learned in my felony cases is to be as vague as possible, but still answer the question. Well, I mean, there's... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, hey, it, if it works, it works. But um, uh, the, the problem with saying anything is a lot of people think like they have this strategy for how they're going to answer questions. And like, yeah, it might work out sometimes, but some like some people go, oh, I got my story straight. I'm just going to tell them this. And it's like, yeah, as soon as you tell that story, it's like, you know, the next thing you know, you're on the hook for something else you didn't even know. <laughs> um, which is, you know, like there's actually a really great video on um, on YouTube um, why you should never talk to cops. Um, and it's this guy. He's he's a former prosecutor um, turned criminal defense lawyer. And it's like an hour long talk about, you know, uh, basically why you should never talk to cops. And he gives a million examples, you know, just something as innocent as as, you know, if they if they knock on your door and. Uh, you know, so the, the person next door was murdered last night. Did you know that? Um, and, you know, however you answer that, like, <laughs> you know, that could be used against you. Well, were you here last night? Um, well, you know, if you say yes, then it's like, okay, well, you were in the vicinity. If you say no, you were out of town when it's like, it's like, oh, well, can you prove it? Um, and if you, you know, if you can't prove it, cause you're just like, oh, I was out of town. So they won't have any questions to ask, you know, to ask me. And it's like, well, if you can't prove it, then, you know, well, maybe you just lied and they're going to use that against you. And like all like just a million, like 
little like innocent things like you know you could say like no i wasn't here last night and oh no wait that was two nights ago like you misspeak because you're not thinking you know on the spot and like when it comes to the cops a lot of times like they're not looking for the right guy they're just looking for the guy um and that's, that's this is unfortunately how a lot of innocent people end up in prison a lot of them plead guilty to their own charges just from you know oh well if you don't plead guilty you're gonna get 100 years but if you plead guilty you'll only get 30 well that sounds like a great deal i didn't do it but i guess if i'm gonna get screwed i might as well get 30 instead of 100 right um, or and people, this all I'm, go away with some of these things you know because yeah. you know, you're a good guy you don't do anything wrong you know what's having probation for a year or three years or five years you know you you don't do anything wrong and you know then you can you can go home you know meanwhile you've been sitting in a chair by it in a four by six room for how long with right. people in and out that's why only six percent of any cases go to trial and of yeah. those two percent are the only ones that end up going to a jury trial because of the way they leaned on you and i want to welcome joshua to the room and ken i think ken's spoken up and jerry popped on up i see you on mike uh lunatic libertarian go ahead yeah i wanted to bring up uh one of the cases that uh, my buddy jason um who was in uh afghanistan uh, and his uh, platoon was actually featured in the movie restrepo and uh, korngal now he was facing and he actually went to prison waiting trial um so he was on probation for a felony and felon in possession of a firearm i think was one of the charges discharging a firearm was another charge and they i was like i i said dude the only thing i can tell you is to take it to trial never take a deal absolutely and that, and then he went through, I think like two or three lawyers, probably about $25,000. And then he got an actual hard hitting trial attorney and he had already been in prison for a year awaiting trial. And the DA came to him and said, oh, well, we'll give you 10 years. He's like, nope, let's go to trial. Came back, oh, we'll give you five years. Nope, let's go to trial. Came back again, said, we'll give you three years probation. He's like, nope, we're going to take it to trial. Then they went in uh, to commence court, and the DA said there's not enough evidence to pursue prosecution, and he was released that day. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that. like, what does that say about the DA? Like, what does that say about these crimes they're prosecuting where, like, they know? <laughs> They know they can't win, and they're just going to try to bully people into into doing this. And it's like, well, if you don't have enough evidence, what does that really mean? That means you don't have enough evidence to convince a jury. So why are you, the DA, convinced in the first place? Like, think about that. Exactly. You don't have enough evidence to convince a jury, but somehow you're convinced. Well, how is a DA professionally judged? or accredited or you know whatever nomenclature you want to use how are it's by numbers and that's yep. what they advertise on so that's what they've been selling everybody through you know 40 years of television advertisements because a, a, a prosecutor 
um, is actually, or a district attorney is actually an elected official. So the, the, the assistant prosecutors are the ones that do all the dirty work, but the elected official goes, well, Kamala Harris is a very good example of all this. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you have, I mean, speaking of elections, you have judges who, you know, tough on crime. Um, that's not your job. <laughs> like, but they run on that. Like a judge running for tough on, that, that's, your job is not to be tough on crime. Your job is to be a, a neutral spectator to oversee uh, a trial between two sides in front of a jury. To make sure that the law is being abided but by. The Exactly. public is not thinking of that if they haven't been prosecuted so the the irony of the entire thing is that the ability to vote these people in or out is taken away when you've been convicted of a felony so right i yeah. can still vote as a felon in the state of wisconsin i can still vote that's a state thing there's actually, there, there's a lot of, um, I think it depends on what the felony was, but in Texas, you can vote too. Um, but I, like when I was running, I talked to a lot of felons and they didn't know that. Um, because it's so the it's, story that we've been told. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but a lot right. of guys that I talked to, it was like, you can't vote unless you're a felon. I said, bullshit. Damn it. I, I'm sorry. I was like, bull, bull crap. You, you <laughs> can vote as long as you're not on paper. As long as you've completed your probation or your parole, you can vote as a felon in the state of Wisconsin. That's what I always assumed was the truth. And I have a father and son who are friends of mine, and both of them have committed felonies, but both of them are now registered voters because they did their time and now they're back in the system. So they're back, you know, in the you know good, good, good system. So, but there are some states um, where you can vote from prison. So, you know, it's a state by state thing. Hey, and if you're voting for Biden, you can vote from your grave. Yes. <laughs> we have a phrase here. In, sorry, we have a phrase sorry. here in Illinois: vote early and vote often. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's nothing more funny uh, than in Ohio because they will go to the college campuses and and so forth, and buy the busload. They'll give them a dime bag of weed, whatever the case may be, drive them down to vote. And then you have the news crews interviewing these people and they'll say, boy, I hope I don't have to wait as long to vote today as I did yesterday. <laughs> and then they want to talk about, you know, our elect elections are sacred and, and we don't have voter fraud. And it's like you've got somebody standing there telling you they hope they don't have to stand in long as in, in line as they did before the day before come on man hey dude uh, we're uh, sorry hang on a second we're we're coming up on two hours um so i want to i want to try to wrap this up by uh six um so about 15 minutes and i know we got some new people in the room who haven't had a chance to speak yet so i just want to give them a chance um uh lunatic I'll, I'll give you a go uh real quick since i know you just started talking but um, after that, um, Jerry, I don't think it said anything. If you want to say anything or ask any questions and then, uh, and then I guess let's just follow down, um, to, to Josh, can you, do you, unless you got another question, um, we can go. Yeah. I guess let's just, let's just go that way. What is that? Popcorn? No, that's uh, PTR. PTR Sorry. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I'll do 20 seconds. 
Um, the only thing I wanted to bring up is that everybody has seen uh, campaign ads. They're all the same. They've been the same for 40, 50 years. It's one side versus the other. I do all the good stuff. They all do the bad stuff. We all know it's BS, but they still promote it because the advertisers are the ones that receive the money and pay the money to make sure that everybody is controlled. And that's why all the children want everything on television. Everybody wants everything on television because that's what we've been sold. And I'll stop there. Yep, absolutely. All right, Jerry, um, you got anything? Question, something to throw in? I did, but I'm at the store right now, so I'll just listen for now. Thanks. <laughs> all right, we'll pop back over um, uh, before we shut it down. Uh, Ken. Well, I beat a uh, parking ticket in downtown Chicago about 15 years ago, uh, just on my like primitive, well, not so primitive, but I took some legal classes in uh, college, getting my uh, aviation law classes at SIU. And then after I went back and finished my associate's degree in business, I uh, had a business law class. So I beat a traffic or a parking ticket by, uh, I noticed that when the meter maid wrote the time, she had put an hour later instead of it being 10:55 like she had written she uh it was 9:55 so i made sure that i could prove that my car was somewhere else far away from chicago at 10:55 and i beat the ticket just by you know writing a letter on uh my personal letterhead which i you know made look fancy like hey i might be a lawyer you might not who knows so uh to send him a lawyer or a letter that said i am contesting this ticket based on the circumstances that I can prove are not correct that are on the ticket. And I never got a response back, but the ticket just disappeared. The other thing I'll quickly add is if you have a yellow vest, a reflective safety vest on your passenger seat, I haven't gotten a ticket in 15 years since I started doing that. So, you know, avoid jurisdiction by whatever means uh, <laughs> you have to is my advice. That's hilarious. Just putting like a high vis vest on your, on your passenger seat. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. That's that's good to know. I think that that started because people would, uh, you know, use it to beat HOV lane rules. Well, there's two people in the car. Well, one of them isn't a person. Well, it looks like there's a person. So I think that's how it started. But I've noticed that like city workers in Chicago, they all do that. And you have to assume that they all never get pulled over. Oh, and I got uh, I had a pothole. Well, this isn't really related, but I ran into a pothole in Chicago and my tire was damaged. And I filed a claim with the city, and I eventually got it paid for, but it took like two and a half years. Wow. They paid you for popping their your tire. Yeah. That's amazing. You just got to know what kind of letter to write and who to send it to. Right. <laughs> this guy must be someone important. They probably thought and it, well, the thing is, it still takes two and a half years because it gets onto the uh, alderman or the uh, city council's list of oh, we're gonna you know approve this bill and repair you know these uh, individual damages. They put them all into like one bill, but you need to know how to get on that list. <laughs> nice, awesome. All right, um, Josh, what's going on? All I have to say. Is to fuck the DMV. Fuck all the shit. Because I still have to go get... I lost my license again. And I have to go pay them again for another stupid real ID. And go through that whole process again. 
<laughs> Wait, you you said you lost your license, like like you lost the card. Yeah. Oh man. And so what did they what are they making you do? I have to get a new one. That's all. Or just it's stupid though. But like, are they making like you have to pay like ten bucks or like a hundred bucks? It's like seventy dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's stupid for a replacement card. Or something like that. I don't remember how much it is, but it's usually a ridiculous amount. That's yeah. That's. Did you report crazy. it lost? Because then if it's reported lost, then I think that's what changes the rate. Interesting. Probably depends on the state there. Well, this is this is an interesting fact too. <laughs> I don't know where I where I learned this, but um, if you ever find a driver's license, you can just drop it in the mailbox and they'll deliver it to whatever address is printed on it. That's good though. <laughs> yeah, it's one of uh, the post office is is weird, man. <laughs> well, unless you're my post office, my daughter will be 18 December. She got her driver's license at when she turned 16, and so far, so it's been what? Um, well, darn near two years, and she has yet to get her actual driver's license in the mail, no matter how many calls letters all of those things and the the mail service blames it on the um the bmv and vice versa it, it goes back and forth but you know one of the most proudest moments in your life is getting a driver's license right <laughs> she's never held one she's got a copy from I'm, sure, I'm sure they won't they won't send it with a tracking address right or a tracking number right oh no we've tried that yeah, but it's like, well, here we we will pay extra. Um, we we so, don't have a method or a way to do that, man. Really. What's funny in Mexico is, uh, so okay, ordering stuff on Amazon is really reliable. They have like they have like you know, they have FedEx and they have these little these little packeterias that like um you know d deliver small package runs and everything, and they're really reliable. But the post office itself is terrible, so terrible that when you go to the dmv to get a license or license plates or um you go to a bank to get like you know you need a new debit card or something like that they don't mail any of that stuff out if anything like you know they'll send it to the dmv and then you have to go pick it up when it's ready <laughs> but they will not use their own post office that's how bad it is well in the u.s they don't trust um they don't trust them to give you the life driver's license on the the spot anymore because they said there were a lot of fake ones being made so why don't we trust the the u.s mail system to mail it out to a given address and they're going to check your id when you give it when they deliver it right <laughs> yeah no and yeah so that's got to be much more secure than them right to you standing in the place where they just verified everything you right know? yeah that's that's where we are that's crazy all right derek what's going on oh hey yeah just keep up the good work there man i uh i fought the law the law one on that like um so here's the so-called offense is 
uh, you know, I mailed in, I got my new registration where they mail you the sticker and stuff. And I have that always, you know, as usual in my glove box. Well, we had like the winter that would never end last winter. And so, you know, I just put it in my glove box and I'm like, screw this, it's cold. I'll just, you know, wait till it's nicer out, right? <laughs> well, anyway, I get my new job when the weather is nicer and such. And I am just looking to find the most cost-effective place to park, you know? And so I was like, oh, here's this one city street. I can just park there and, you know, between the hours of such and such on Monday through Thursday is this. And then Friday through Monday is, you know, how they do all that. Well, sure enough, at the end of that day, after I walked a good bit to get the free spot, there's a ticket on the car for a so-called expired registration. And so I just immediately, I put on the new sticker, I took up a picture showing I did that, and I showed them that my registration was current and there wasn't any lapse or anything. And, and then they sent me the letter for the hearing. And then I just went there and, and uh, they didn't give a fuck. You know, they, they really and noticed that there's no, no one got harmed. There is no actual victim here. The victim, if, if, if you want to call it that, was the state, you know, and they just did not give a fuck. Like, uh, you get to pay 40 bucks, you know, so, you know, that's. Yes. That's interesting. I mean, like those, yeah. those trap, those uh, parking ticket courts. I mean, they're, they're not courts. Like they, they. The, I don't know if they tried to make it look like a court. No, but this I tried one, to fight a few. it was at City Hall, and it was a hearing specifically that they give you, and immediately there's this lady there, and she swears me in. So I'd, I would assume it was like a judge or something. So this was nope. a direct. It wasn't like a kangaroo court where there's like 56 people lined up, and the prosecutor's like... You know, let's this, call this it a minor you, drug charge for twenty bucks, or you know, if, this, if, this if is how was, you know for sure. Look, look up the judge and and see if they're an elected judge. That's how you know for sure. Because if it wasn't, then then they had no legal authority, and it was it was all just smoke and mirrors, and it's uh yeah, it was that, administrative. Yeah, that that'd be uh good to know factoids like that. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. Paperwork is a part of life. The DMV is a part of life. Death is a part of life. You know, it all, it's, uh, you know, I just kind of give up on that. Sometimes you got to pay to play. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, that. And as we're rounding things up, um, I think we, we've heard from Shannon, unless she has something else. And then the only other one we have up on top here is Ron. Um, Ron, did you have a question or comment for Dan? No, but I have a insight to offer. Go for it. If we have time, I, I get the sense you're trying to wind down. So stop me if this is going to be too long. I have a metaphor that I have told many times to people that dramatizes why taxation is theft. And I'd be happy to tell this metaphor to the group. Uh, yeah, I've got all the time in the world for this one. <laughs> really? <laughs> <my> favorite project. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Dan? Yep. <laughs> okay, so I'll launch into it then. 
uh, a bunch of neighbors come to your door and they they say, uh, Ron, we are your neighbors and I know you are a benevolent, wonderful neighbor. And there is a woman in the neighborhood named Mary and she has this terrible disease. But the good news is that if she has the right surgery and medication, which unfortunately costs $100,000, she will lead a normal, long life. So we're here to rescue Mary, and we're getting contributions from all the neighbors. Um, and we thought that you, given your circumstances, Ron, uh, we thought we'd ask you to contribute $10,000 out of the 100000 we need for Mary. And then I say uh, to them, oh, bless your heart. What a terrific cause. I really appreciate what your guys are doing for Mary. But unfortunately, I have other commitments that I care tremendously about that support my my values and my responsibilities. And so I'm not going to contribute the $10,000 to save Mary, but I wish you all the best in your, in your collection. And they say, oh, sorry, Ron, we, we didn't make clear to you that we in the neighborhood have all taken a vote. And 90% of us, not just 51% of us, 90% of us agreed that you should contribute $10,000 to save Mary. And I say, well, you know, I, I'm sorry, but this is my money. I, I own myself, my, my body, my mind, and the fruits of my labor. I, I earned this money honestly. It's mine to dispose of the way I want for the values I care about. And uh, I don't care if 90% or 99% want me to contribute. I'm not going to. And then I notice that one of the people at my doorstep is fingering a gun in his back pocket. And he's letting me know that there's a gun behind this supposed request for my $10,000. And then I realize this isn't, this isn't just a vote. This is a threat against my life if I don't pay. That is taxation is theft. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great way to, to, uh, to show it. Um, of course, <laughs> um, I mean, I think with I think with most most rational minded people that would totally make sense. But I, I you know, I always picture like, OK, is this is, I, I question every argument that says that taxation is theft. Is this going to work on the most furthest, um, the, the furthest gone pro tax person? And I can just picture him saying like, yeah, they should shoot that guy for not giving his money and, and, and saving that woman. <laughs> That's right. But they, they'd be one of those people who are standing on your doorstep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's the whole, um, 
I've been I've been kind of doing a lot of thinking on on rights and kind of coming to to the conclusion that that all rights are you know uh, they're they're subjective in that if we don't have a majority of people that that believes that a right is a right then what we have is um is people who have a right and that right is going to be violated because they are a minority um and and that's kind of i feel like the direction that we're heading where we have um i wouldn't say we have a majority of the country that's that's pro tax right now but um or or at least not pro more tax um but we do have a growing number of people who want more taxes cuz of course they think it's only going to go to the rich um we have a lot of people who are just like yeah there need to be some sort of taxes um and in in the fact that we have that um you know that's that's kind of like all the people who are supporting this system so when when you know when a handful of people just get up and say hey we're sick of this we're not going to pay taxes anymore well every single one of their neighbors is going to turn them into the irs and say hey this guy's not paying his taxes and and our roads are going to disappear <laughs> and so so now it's it becomes you know the entire world is against us um and so that's that's why i think like the, the like that that story that you just told is actually really important because for the people who are more in the center who who can hear that story and like understand ah uh, yeah taxes you know that yeah that is you know, maybe we need to figure out a more consensual way of raising money for for you know common good um if we can get to that then then we get over that hump of where you know a majority of the people are actually understanding that that taxation is theft and you know we need to find a, a different way um, and yeah. then we have, you know, the, a larger number of people that we can actually defend our rights to to maintain our own property. Mm -hmm. Dan, I, I think another way to put it is that taxation is slavery. Uh, the concept here is that in my story, I am the slave of the majority. No, no individual rights doesn't it violates the basic moral principle that you own your mind and body and the fruits of your labor. It violates the principle of no initiation of force or fraud. Basically, the majority disposes of me any way it wants to. I'm their slave. And they're using threat and of fines or, or imprisonment or death, if I resist, to make me their slave. I don't see anything wrong with that moral argument. To me, that's the essence of the whole thing. Well, I use a similar story when it comes to to even bartering. Like um, we're homesteaders here. No one much, there are those who do, have a big problem if I trade my cucumbers and tomatoes with my, my neighbor on down the way for, for eggs. They don't have a big problem if I go turn my neighbor's cattle out and when they return because they had to leave for a few days or something, that they give me some beef for that or, or a few steaks. But they have a big problem if I were to go in and trade my, my tomatoes for lumber at the hardware store or something like that. They're like, no, that's, that's not right. You know, when you go to a store, you have to pay those things and I say why if it is a voluntary 
thing between two people. Who else has to become involved? And am I to become involved with that just because you don't have fruits of your own labor other than fiat currency to buy things? You know, who says this and why? And why does the level of this change your mind on this thing, you know? And that does get some people thinking, but not enough people going into action for that. So, um, but, you know, that's just another example there of yeah. how authoritarian are you? <laughs> but yeah, another good example. Yeah, it- it's interesting too, because like a lot of people, um, we're kind of stuck in this mentality. Um, I say we, because I, I think all of us are are subject to it to some degree. Um, where, or, or maybe it's just a matter of open mindedness, but like a lot of people see the world that they live in, and everybody that's outside of that world is like, oh, there's something weird about that. So, you know, um, uh, here actually a really good example is. You know, when people get stopped and they have a lot of cash in their car and the police take it and they assume that it was, you know, it must have been drug money. Um, the general public looks at that and says, like, oh, well, that's fine, because who who drives around with ten thousand dollars in cash? Because for most people, that's like um, that, that's crazy. They would never do that. Um, what if they get robbed? What if you know what if it gets lost? Why would you need that much money in cash? Um, you know, it doesn't make sense to to most of the country. But there are some people where it totally makes sense. And and what's even interesting about that is like those people who look at, you know, those people who look at that and say like, yeah, that's crazy. Those people might have like, they might have some sort of, um, you know, weird, um, you know, collection of something, you know, they're into like a video game or, you know, something that the rest of society might look at them as weird for like, oh, you play that game. That's for, that's for nerds or that's, you know, or, or you collect those things, that's weird. Um, everybody's got something that, that kind of sets them apart and makes them weird, but it's the ones that, that you know, are, are profitable for the government, like driving around with cash. Those are the ones that we kind of make up a story in our head that like, yeah, that, that's weird, but that's okay that those people are getting harassed. Whereas if the police were going door to door and, you know, arresting kids for playing Dungeons and Dragons, that wouldn't be, you know, that would be, oh my God, that's outrageous. Um, but of course they don't do that because it's not profitable. Yeah, um, weird, weird can't be the standard. There has to be an objective standard rooted in rights. And rights have to be rooted in some fundamental, something deeply, deeply fundamental. And I say what's deeply fundamental is self-ownership. And the opposite of self-ownership is slavery almost everyone would agree to a prohibition on slavery. Well, if if you're against slavery, then you're for self-ownership. And if you're for self-ownership, you want a prohibition on force and fraud. And that's what the courts take care of. Uh, that's what the proper use of the legal system is for. So you notice in my little story, it doesn't matter what I wanted to spend my $10,000 for. What mattered is that it was my $10,000 to dispose of as I wanted to. It was the fruits of my labor. It was an extension of my body and my mind. It's none of anybody's business what my priorities are, what my benevolence 
they, my benevolence is not up for legislation. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, and you got see. radicals and you got radicals like me who think you should have been able to use that $10,000 to buy entirely just to spend it all on drugs. Yeah. If you, if you wanted to, I mean, I don't recommend it, but I mean, it's your 10,000. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, right, well, so- I, I agree with one exception that if, if it can be proven scientifically and, and justified in a court of law, that I'm taking a drug that will absolutely make me crazy and violent and hurt other people. Maybe that's the borderline voluntary. What do you think? I don't think you're crazy and violent until you're crazy and violent. I, yes, I agree. There you go. I agree. Yeah. Cause that, that's the thing, right? Like, like that. Um, I know we're, we're, <laughs> we're drifting on here a little bit, but, um, but yeah, that's like, that's the same thing they say about like gun ownership, right? Well, what if, what if that person becomes crazy and violent and uses their gun for, well, it, until they're crazy and violent, they're not crazy and violent. They're not criminals and they shouldn't have their, their right to defense taken away. So yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, and, and I actually, I was reading this, this really great book called say yes to drugs. Um, and it was, um, what was really interesting is they went, they went actually, you know, we all know they've been lying about cannabis for a long time, but, um, what they were actually pointing out about like crack and heroin and and like all the worst of the worst drugs is that even those aren't as bad as the propaganda has been saying. Um, And like, yeah, of course, you know, we've, we've seen some of the worst of the worst, but those, like a lot of those cases are people who are overdosing and and totally abusing those drugs um, versus, you know, people who, who use them recreationally um, you know, in limited doses, whatever actually works for them without completely destroying their lives. So, um, I think that's, that's like another really interesting thing that, that, um, we need to kind of bring up into the mainstream when when we're talking about fighting back on this war on drugs now. Um, but anyways, guys, um, it's, it's been really awesome having everybody here. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this room up. Um, uh, I do want to mention again that uh, Blood of Tyrants Wine at bloodoftyrants.wine uh, helped us put this together, um, and they help they help keep this thing going and, and make sure that we're um, we're reaching out and we're sharing this information with with the audience that we're sharing it with. Um, head over there and check it out. It's some really really great wine. It's a red wine, um, and I, I think most of you in here are going to love the theme of it. Um, Blood of Tyrants. It's uh, the official spirit of 1776. Um, it's, it's a really great wine and it's, it, it helps support the cause. It's, it's helping us, it's helping other activists, um, to reach more audiences and, and get their, um, get their thoughts and ideas out there too. So definitely go check it out. How are they helping support the cause, Dan? So, um, this is actually, uh, we're, they're, uh, they're working with candidates from uh, libertarian party and other libertarian uh, oriented organizations to help them raise funds so kind of think about it like the uh the girl scout cookies of the liberty world (laughs) um so yeah so they're they're basically you know they're they're helping them do fundraisers because it's a lot easier especially you know when it's a um when you're running as third party or independent um or you have a small organization like it's it's really hard to get donations from people but um, sometimes it's a little bit easier if you give them something in return. Are so, they, um, so this is kind of percent of revenues to such causes. 
exactly. Um, yeah, and there's there's actually um, uh, if you know anybody who's who's um, who's running a campaign or working with any organization, um, you can have them reach out to, and um, they they basically have like an affiliate program. Do you um, know percent of revenues they're contributing to causes? Yeah, so their their affiliates are getting like twenty percent. That's quite a mark. So yeah. look under blood of tyrants. And again, if you're interested, you have spaces where you where you provide those things, then a code will be provided to you unique to the organization and it'll get that twenty percent cut back for you. Yeah, so it's I mean it's really designed um, you know, it, it's 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 not one of those things where they're making a lot of money and and you know giving just pennies out to to the affiliates. It's really kind of designed to help the liberty movement um, kind of flourish. So um, it's 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 a great company, a great idea, and um, and everything that they're doing. So um, I like from the marketing standpoint. I'm I'm a marketing and a venture strategy guy. And I like the idea, which maybe they play out in their website or their materials, that as you drink it, as you taste this, you say it's red wine, uh, as you taste it, that you have thoughts of the good that you're doing, of the effect that you're having. With every sip, you have a thought of the effect that you're having. Uh, and... Absolutely. If you care about such causes, why not? Why not mix your your pleasure, your sensory pleasure, with your with your passionate causes? Well, I say why not. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and the marketing thing with um, with blood of tyrants. There's also nug of knowledge N U G G of knowledge, which is a cannabis related thing that there are definitely initiatives out there. It does help further the liberty movement, but you can also, you know, like I said, feel good that they're able, they are providing things like um, cannabis to those who cannot afford it, you know? So why not become a customer, you know? So um, I followed you, Ron, definitely follow, follow the club here, Taxation is Theft. We're going to do an after party, guys, as we're wrapping this one up. We'll do an after party. I follow the club. I'm following you. And uh, I'm wondering, is your theme here radical libertarianism? Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, there's there's probably a lot of overlap with that. Um, I think here we're normally we talk about income tax and, and other taxes and, and how to avoid them. Um, today we were mostly talking about um, uh, uh, traffic tickets and courts and DMVs and that kind of stuff. What was the um, reference flags? I came in late, so I didn't catch it. Yeah, it's it's mostly um, it's it's mostly I would say practical application here. Um, not not so much. I mean, we mix in a little bit of ideology, but really practical application of what we can do to, to start um, pushing back against the government and limiting their authority and that sort of thing. Good work. Glad to meet you all. I, I, I've joined, I followed you, Dan, and you, Liberty, and who else should I follow? <laughs> should I follow everybody? I'm, I'm an, an enthusiast <laughs> with one drop in. Awesome.
All right, guys. Well, it's been awesome. Um, this is on replay, so um, so make sure to share the room with the rest of your friends, and um, and I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night.